So you're taking another picture? You you remember what that got what what that turned into last time? Oh no, you're starting already. You snuck up on me with that microphone. Hey, <laughs> okay, putting the camera away. Did you learn your lesson? Was it worth it? Hey, we have inches and inches of snow. How many inches would you say this is? I would say we're looking at a little over a foot of snow. Really? Oh, yeah, look course. over there. Look look right over there. Yeah. That's more than a foot. 15, 18 inches? Oh, I would say 14. Okay. So um, so we, we left off the last podcast. We didn't get to finish it because you wanted to take a trip to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted. Oh, wait, wait. No, you wanted to take a picture of pretty ice. Now, now it's all coming back. There was some ice. It was pretty. You had a camera built into your phone. And you thought, you know what I'm going to do is take a picture of the pretty ice. And then the ice attacked. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought I was on a crunchy, fairly flat spot. Mm. And um, I guess I said ow in the podcast. That's what mm. Julia wrote in her summary. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was such a stupid little fall. You kept podcasting because it looked like one of those ones where you fall, you feel stupid. You might have a bruise, but you get back up. Yeah. And I could tell something was very wrong mm-hmm. with my arm. <laughs> so there you have it. In the middle, in the middle of a podcast, Jocelyn yeah. broke her arm. Yeah. Um, let's go up this way. Okay. So um, uh, we uh, broke your arm near the wrist. Uh, we got you to the hospital. The hospital was actually pretty quick. Got us out of there in about three hours, and um, that was kind of funny what they they did. But that's that's like a whole different podcast yeah. for like a medical podcast or something. Yeah. How to fix a broken arm. Yeah. So here we are. Um, I thought for sure we'd be out taking walks, me and the cast, the next two Sundays, and uh, it's not. It's it's three weeks later, and now we're up on the lab again. All right, and uh, we you know <laughs> we got out of the last two because your arm hurt, <laughs> and while your arm is still in a cast. Hey, one what? of those you were not uh, you were not having a good day. It wasn't just me. Oh, I probably shouldn't sit here and try and think of like what made it not a good day. Yeah, I, I'm kind of feeling like with the, all the people that are here right now, and uh, and even you. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it would be very hard to live with me. Now all these people are living with me, and uh, not only is it hard to live with me, but I'm in charge. <laughs> How hard is that? I have to say, of all the places I could be with a broken arm, we have someone cooking, we have people helping clean. I am so lucky right now, the best place I could be with a broken arm. Uh, That's a good point. That's a good point. You even tied my boots for me today. That's right. (laughs) I guess I'll have to untie them later. I'm not supposed to use my fingers, so it's kind of awkward. Well, your finger's on the hand that's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I usually wear things I don't have to tie. I, I haven't figured out how to tie things one-handed. <laughs> so I read some commentary recently that uh, some people did not like the all the rambling that happened in the podcast. And and to those people, I want to say, stop listening to my podcasts. <laughs> if there's anything you don't like, just turn it off. <laughs> Go do something else. Go watch Lady Gaga videos. Well, I think, yeah. Anyway, but just 
jumping past that one into the Sunday Walk podcast, we had lots of good suggestions. Last time we talked about the TED Talk, the Kickstarter for the Earthworks DVDs, the Jump Drive. Ooh, and the Kickstarter's going. Yeah. It's halfway done now. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not moving as many copies. It's it's not getting as funded as we would have liked, but it is funded. It got yes. funded. But rather than yeah, getting which funded, is awesome. Thanks to everybody. The previous Kickstarter's got funded in less than two days. I think this one didn't get funded for a week. Ha. Huh. We um we had other topics to get to that didn't happen because. I had a broken arm. <laughs> and those were some other topics we wanted to cover, um, besides all the ones that people brought up in the thread. So I think a, a good way to focus this podcast would be what we talked about being first-year seeds, figuratively and literally, at Wheaton Labs. Because now this is Wheaton Laboratories. That's right. That's right. I, I named it like about three minutes before walking on the stage at the TED Talks. Yeah. It's modeled after Bill Nye, the science guy. He has yeah. Nye Laboratories. Right. So, yeah, I've got Wheaton Laboratories. Yeah. So yeah. there's the laboratory, which is what we're standing on, and base camp, right. which in itself is kind of a laboratory. We yeah. do all kinds of experiments there. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, the rocket mass heater, we had, oh, we had a cold snap. It got to 26 below, and um, on the on the day Fahrenheit, yeah Fahrenheit, <laughs> which I think at 26 below they start to line up somewhere around in there. I think somebody said 40 below it. They're the same, but but you're starting to get close enough. Here, let's go this way. Let's go see. We haven't been to the pooper in a long time, but uh, so 26 below. And then um, that day, the following day, so well, we went to the office. It was 59 in the office. So that's the rocket mass heater. I'm going right. to say it's the rocket mass heater right. and um, in large part. And then uh, we got it up to 83 that day the, um, with the rocket mass heater uh, running. And we've made some optimizations to it that have been working out pretty good. But I think that's also fodder for a different podcast. Right. But, Right. There's um, a lot of- Tony and Emily, who are living in the teepee, um, they, uh, they're doing really well. I think the night before it was like 14 below. And, um, they were saying like when they got up in the morning inside, I think they said it was something like, um, like 25 degrees or something. So it's, I mean, for just the, the width of a, of canvas, I think they're doing really, you know, still staying really warm. And they were too warm that night because they're sleeping on the mass, of course. That's kind of their bed thing. And so then they've they've done some winter camping before where they've got, like, super fancy sleeping bags. And right. And they went cross-country skiing the other weekend and winter camped by there, just somewhere else. Yeah. So Emily was explaining it to me. She says, when you go winter camping... You have this super fancy sleeping bag, and then you bunch it up where where the hole is for your head to where only your nose sticks out. (laughs) And she says, so much more comfortable in the teepee. Granted, the air temperature gets cold, but there's lots of heat coming out of the mass. And so so then you're still really warm. So, um, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask them to do a couple more of experiments, but then one of the things they said is something about like, who has to get up and <laughs> start the fire in the morning? And I said, if somebody's, if you guys are arguing about that, then the whole test is a failure. That's a big fail. Cause the idea is, is that it should still be so warm that the, the mass is putting out radiant heat. I think, I think we walked past the, the pooper somehow. I think this is the site where the, uh, the teepees used to be. Yes, I think you're right. So I think the poopers, oh, well, let's just keep going this way. Let's go that way. Okay. So they're going to, uh, the idea is, is if you get a good, have a good, good fire the previous day, because they work all day. No one's there to keep the fire going. So they're going to do some experiments to see if they can eliminate that sensation of like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed where it's cold. Because <laughs> I kind of feel like that's a pass where you say, I'm just going to get out of bed now. I'm not worried about the cold. Yeah. That's a pass. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a space that I haven't been participating in so much. But I do want to circle back to the first year seeds at winter at Wheaton Laboratories and the big one is perma permaculturist seeds. Oh right. And and Emily and Tony are kind of a good example of that, I think. That's true. And so so many people keep asking about well what have we planted and what are we growing here so far? And I think we've now been here six months and it's like uh we haven't <laughs> we haven't planted a seed. I mean, not, not that kind of a seed, but we started talking about how it's like, in order for this system to work, you need to have community. And for community, what? You want to go back? <laughs> it looks like an even train under this snow right here. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you think this is, we, we, the only groomed trails on this land are the roads, and they're not in such good shape either. <laughs> right, right, but we walked a lovely path back in here and, we made a nice path to walk back through. So we need to hit a critical mass as far as people. So if you've only got three people that are here, that's not critical mass. But if you've got 15 people or 18 people here, then that's critical people. People will be here because they want to be with like-minded people. And those people need a roof. And so, um, and then at the same time, there's that whole concept of when I see a patch of napweed, and I remember Mark Vandermeer was up here with us a couple of months ago. And he says, well, what are you going to do about that napweed right there? And I said, every time I see napweed, I think that's a place where we have not yet put a permaculturalist. And when we put that permaculturalist there, then that person will start to nurture their zone one, zone two, zone three. And I think that their activity while they are going for food production, tree production, things like that, it'll just so happen to be that they've created a habitat that is not suitable for napweed. So the napweed will then... So everywhere I see napweed, I think, here's where we need somebody to have a zone two or zone three. Today would have been a good day for snowshoes. I think I need a pair of snowshoes. I think you just need to be bigger. <laughs> and then the... Well, it's not that they're working like snowshoes for me. It's just that, you know, the snow is deep, but it's really fluffy. Yeah. So I'm not having too much trouble wading through the snow. Yeah, it's not. 
it's not bad. It is fluffy, powdery snow. But you have little tiny boots. Yeah, right. <laughs> little tiny feet. So I imagine your boots are filling up with snow. So the seed that we're talking about is a permaculturalist. We want to plant a permaculturalist there. And with that will come a jungle of lush. And the knapweed will be gone. So, however, the, the how you plant that seed is you need to put some sort of roof thing there. Preferably a wafati. And we're working on that. Yeah, yeah. There's still so much infrastructure we're getting in place and so many tools that have been acquired and then needed repair and all of those kind of things. And we need more infrastructure. We need water on the lab, things like that, just to make it easier for permaculturists to be here. More housing. So one project that may get started soon is insulating the love shack. Oh, right. Yeah, we're going to uh, upgrade the Love Shack. We're even, uh, uh, because the Love Shack is effectively a tiny house. And so we posted, I think yesterday, uh, some plans for a, oh, right. the little rocket mass heater to go in the Love Shack. Right. Um, SketchUp plans, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll move it up towards the mountain. Oh, <laughs> and the mountain has a name now. That's right, the hollowed out volcano with submarine access. With good submarine oh, access. Whoops, I left out of adjective. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, but then I think that the, the love shack will get moved up there by the mountain. And, uh, yeah. Alright. Well, the other seeds we talked about are empire seeds and kickstarters. Yeah, the kickstarters have become our lifeblood. And, uh, that's the the kickstarters are are basically the the stuff that improves our velocity forward and somebody actually three different somebodies sent snotty messages saying stuff about you know you shouldn't be such a fucking money grubber and stuff like that and and you know what the key is there is still world hunger there, there is still war and pollution involving energy. There is still cancer. And, and, you know, I think a lot of these things we've solved to a degree and the experiments that we're doing at Wheaton Laboratories, I think are solving a lot of these things in unconventional ways and nobody else is doing them. Now granted, we're doing some stuff that other people are doing. But I think we're doing a lot of stuff that nobody else is doing. And we don't need the money. We don't. We could get by fine without it. It's just the money improves our velocity. Oh, right. It would take... It improves our velocity by a factor of 10 or 20. Oh, yeah. It would take years and years. Yeah. The other thing I th- is is that I think that if somebody buys 100 bucks worth of Kickstarter stuff from me, that they get back 100 bucks worth of stuff... And then, if the Kickstarter ends up earning like a hundred thousand dollars, then that ends up putting like an extra forty bucks into the empire. And I think that forty bucks in my hands goes as far as four thousand dollars in a nonprofit's hands. Right, because you turn that into knowledge that is that is shared out on the forums, in the podcasts, in YouTube videos, and other people can learn from it. 
um, which is awesome. Remember that woman who got a, a grant for a half a million dollars to basically make like a dozen videos like mine? So I've got 160 videos out and, and she got a half a million dollar grant. And then she contacted me and asked me if I could just make 12 videos for her and that she would pay me, you know. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be totally willing to pay me like $2,000 per video and then she'd keep all the rest. She'll have met her obligations in that space. And then we know of organizations where it's like their budgets, their budget is millions of dollars. And... They, they hope that someday their website will have the traffic that permies.com has. <laughs> and the information that they're passing around is like regurgitated greenwashing. Oh, don't forget to buy those CFLs! Right. Well, and part of our challenge right now is getting these new permaculturists up to speed, getting some new help up to speed, so that you can be more free to not only pursue the Kickstarters, but also get back to podcasts on a regular basis, get back to book reviews, get back to making YouTube videos and stuff. It's just been, you know, when you're on new property, new people, uh, lots of people coming through, lots of plans in the works for this year, including workshops this year. That was another thing that somebody whined about was was that they felt that I had turned my dailyish email into this money-grubbing festival. And so I, I pointed out... That in the last 30 days, there were 25 totally free things that I shared, including the Mason B mini documentary, which I think turned out really cool. And, uh, Jeff Lawton's new videos that were all free. Um, not to mention my own podcast. And I gave my time for free to, to the Ted talk free. I didn't get paid. I had to pay to get up there. And pay for some of my own expenses up there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then there's all the podcasts and radio shows that I've been on for free. And I share those. Anyway, I I just kind of thought that was snotty. Fortunately, a lot of people came out of the woodwork and said, um, those guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so we got the supporting words, too. <clears throat> right. So, well, all right, what, what's on the list? Well, the, the seeds... I think part of the Empire Seeds, that's first year seeds at Wheaton Laboratories, we said plans prevented planting. And I forget what that means. But we had all these other plans for getting stuff done first <laughs> before we would plant things. And we needed to get the uh, plans of where the drain field was before we could install Hugo Culture. And there's just a myriad of details. Yeah. And we're trying to plan workshops so that's been that takes a lot of energy and i think the the workshops end up technically running in the red universally right and and so um the way we're doing them at this time we will be exploring models down the road where they won't but we don't have those models in place yet right right There's a million of ways you can run workshops and things like that. So we've got two set up now. One's for the Wafati. Uh And we've had some students now sign up and pay for that. Yeah. Um, One is for the Rocket Mass Heater stuff. We haven't had anybody sign up for that yet. Right. And then uh, another one that I'm about to announce any day now is going to be on solar stuff on the week just before the summer solstice. 
We've got Steve Heckeroth coming with an electric tractor. The electric tractor should be here sometime this month. Right. And Steve Heckeroth will come out, and he's going to teach all kinds of stuff. We're going to actually add um, removable battery units to electric vehicles. We're going to add a solar panel to one of the electric vehicles. We're going to, um, I think we're going to set up the Wafati with solar. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I don't know, I think there might be a couple. Of, we're going to um, do a heliostat so that way we can get um, solar heat into uh, the office. And we're going to um, uh, take Tim's truck and wire it up so that way it's a generator. Um, you know, Steve Harris style. And I think the workshops will both draw permaculturists and keep permaculturists because I think anybody we have out here right now, you know, there's eight of us that eat around the table most, most, meal, uh, most days of the week, you know, but the more cool things we have going on that people can learn from while they're here, that's not only beneficial on, on spreading you know, this kind of information and educating the public at large, but also making this an incredibly rich place to be. Um, several people asked, okay, what seeds are you planting? What seeds are you planting? <laughs> and we've tried, you know, someone just said, oh, I want to see pictures of how, what's going on now with your plantings. <laughs> it's like, snow, more snow. Uh, you can't see the ground. Um, and we'd like to see that too. <laughs> uh, you worked quite a bit with Emily and Tony with coming up with seed orders. So Emily and Tony spent a long time pouring through catalogs and placing seed orders. And I think we talked about sitting around the table and you making a podcast with them about what those choices were and why, because after a couple of those conversations, Emily said, oh, that would have been a good podcast. <laughs> Everything Paul just said right there would have been a good podcast. So uh, we'll probably circle back and do that again because I think there were about three different requests in a variety of ways. What's your design? What's your plan? How do you do annuals? How do you let things, you know, how do you do perennials? How do you do annuals? You know, that kind of thing. So... I think we got like a good. we've ordered two thousand dollars of the seeds so far. Yeah. We've got a massive amount of seeds right now. Yeah, yeah. So I you know that I have lots more on the list. And we've got lots cover. of hugel culture going in here in March. Yes. Just as soon as the ground breaks. Right. We already kind of put logs over the area so the dump truck could drive over to deposit stuff there but you know then it froze and snow you know froze up and s snowed and there's fixing the dump truck going on there's lots of different things going on you know i just want to because that leads to earthworks of course and <clears throat> the current um kickstarter is for the earthworks a three dvd set and i'm kind of thinking there's fifteen thousand people on the dailyish email and there's 300 people that have supported the kickstarter and i kind of feel like you know, I don't know, I'm just, it bothers me. I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, <laughs> where, where did everybody, where did everybody go? Right. I mean, it's right. about it's Earthworks and Hugel culture, but I don't know, maybe people, there's already an Earthworks DVD out from Jeff. 
I think what could be possible is is a lot of people are more like small lot or urban lot people, and they get they get the hugo culture, but they may not necessarily be doing earthworks for a pond and other things like that. Right, right. So I think there is a lower percentage of people, whereas there might be a higher percentage of people who might try by building a rocket mass heater on their small lot than there would be people building a pond on their small lot. Do I hear kids? I think you hear the dogs. We're coming up on where the cattle are. And so there's a couple of livestock guardian dogs there. And the last time I was down this way, Tim and Christy uh, had them uh, tied up. And which I was kind of thinking like, that's not a good idea. But I, I think the dogs weren't staying with the animals. And so they're trying to get the the dogs to stay with the animals rather than coming home. So, yeah, it is the dogs. I hear it now. Before I had too much snow, walking in the snow noises. So you're being nice. You're letting me walk in the tire track, and you're walking on the side that's really deep. Because when we were both in tire tracks, it seemed like one of us was too far from the mic. Well, so. you remember what I said when when you said you wanted to come back up on the lab and record a podcast. <laughs> I said, "What? Did you want to break your other arm?" <laughs> And the only answer to that is no. <laughs> so, so this is, this is, and I'm not, I'm walking through not only the deep snow, but also the stuff that the snowplow threw up, which we finally got that damn snowplow to work. Yeah. Uh, it'll only work on the Polaris, and the Polaris has been like, uh, terrible. It spent more time in the shop than it has out in the field. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and part of that comes from <clears throat> people just treating the tool poorly. Some of the stuff, I mean, five of the eight boots are ripped out underneath. And I think that's a sign of like, okay, the design of the undercarriage is poor, but also too many people have been joyriding with this thing out under the brush. And um, and by too many, I mean any, I guess. Whereas um, the other thing is, is that two of the axles broke. And um, uh, we also had some other undercarriage piece of like massive metal get bent in a way it's like I'm looking at it like how the hell do you bend a chunk of metal like that and uh so that's been replaced Tim has been excellent at uh, repairing it and oh and then uh Tim has been doing a lot of welding projects this winter and so we started recording them with the idea of like I don't know maybe people want to see a DVD of that kind of thing and so I started a thread asking people who wants to see a DVD of my brother welding up a, a trailer? Um, and it's got a special kind of wheelbase on it. I think he calls it like um, uh, a walking suspension. And um, it's really kind of interesting. He says it's very good for off-road use. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it's for the, for the power cart. The, the trailer that the power cart, the solar power cart was built on, um, fell apart. It was It was way too wimpy. Plus, he's going to shore up that trailer, the, the right, you know, show how that's done properly, and um, and then plus he's uh, uh, building a uh, a flatbed for a regular pickup truck right. um, uh, for another permaculturalist who wanted one because yeah. he made his own, which everybody is ooing and awing over, and um, yeah. So besides, you know, winter repair projects plowing snow in the winter, sh shoveling snow and ice, 
you know, there's there's just there's stuff to do. We've been uh, the PAs have been building shelves and helping organize things. I mean, there's it was funny. I was just talking to my sister, who is not a permaculture permaculturalist easy for me to say and she's like what are you guys doing there in the winter and i mean she was kind of like you know thinking we had all this time to read books and have cocoa or something and, and um, I, said, I think oh. a lot of farmers do that what? and i said you know we're still doing a lot and and tim definitely has a lot of projects going and you know the next time we do a podcast and we've got like the people the rest of the people that live here then um, I want I want them to validate. I know this is stupid. I keep bringing this up. I want them to validate how hard I work. <laughs> well, because I don't think anybody believes it. And if I just say it, who's going to believe that? Well, I think everybody in the house sees that you're out at your computer at six a.m. in the morning, and you're out there again after dinner at the night. At night, so you're easily at your computer from six to six, Monday through Saturday, easily. And then two-thirds of a day on Sunday. Does yeah. this count as work, what we're doing right now? Kind of does. It's like half work. It's really pretty out here, though. There's you know, the cows. I haven't been describing things as much as I did on that first one. I know Burrow really, and a couple other people wanted to hear what it's like up here. And I only took two pictures, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just my cell phone camera, so it's going to be kind of crappy photos again, but... Okay, what are we supposed to be talking about right now? We were talking about the overall seeds at Wheaton Laboratories, you know, the in the figurative sense. And we'll circle back and talk about the literal seeds in a different podcast with Tony and Emily. I think yeah, that okay. more sense there. But I think we've pretty much covered it because it's really about getting the infrastructure in place, getting the tools in place, and getting housing and people in place and yeah. we're, we're still working on all of those things and and we've done a heck of a lot in six months but there's still more to do and that's been more important to have in place like we had a big talk about oh we want chickens at base camp but <laughs> you know we don't have enough forage for the chickens at base camp yet there's you know, we don't have these nice people that, that, that live with us. They're yeah. so excited to try all these things. Yeah. And, then, and then I keep crapping all over their parade. Well, I think a lot of that makes sense. And there's a lot of people who are like, what are you planting? What are you growing? And there's other permaculturists that say, you haven't observed enough. You're supposed to observe for the first year. And this is part of my goal with getting you out here. Like I said on the way up here today, I said, even if we just get up to the incline up to the gate and have to coast back down because it's too slippery, then we've at least seen the advance to the gate to your property. But I want you to get out on your property at least once a week. Look, there's my track hoe. Yeah. So uh, we're... Bright, bright orange. We were talking about snow. if if the uh, the Kickstarter hits like 60,000, I think it is, then we're gonna we're gonna duplicate the entire workshop here, right. and we're going to bring in a second excavator that is I think more than double the size of mine. And this one's a pretty big one. This one's I think uh, twelve ton. Ooh, for people who like big toys, that would be fun just for that. So we're talking about bringing in something that's thirty or thirty-two tons. Wow. And um, and then we'll have we'll have two excavators here, and everybody will get a chance to drive the excavator. <laughs> <laughs> or even both. Um, 
So uh, uh, we'll build a pond. We'll build hugel culture. We'll build berms. Um, we'll build swales. You know, all, we'll repeat everything that was done at the last workshop and then some. Do we want to get? Do we need a picture of the excavator in the snow? I don't <laughs> think so. I, I think we're good, really. I'm I'm thinking it's time to turn around and start heading back. Um, uh, <clears throat> so seeds. Um, I think we still need to order a lot of perennial seeds. There's a lot of perennial seeds we haven't ordered yet. Yeah, I think Emily and Tony were starting a list of those because we did mostly the annuals at first. And there's lots more things we could discuss, but I think that's just kind of a good, you know, the first... We didn't have any questions from people? We we did, but I just, I'm saving those for the next one. (laughs) We're going to... We're going to draw this out even more? No, I don't mean draw it out. These were the ones we didn't finish because I broke my arm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, I, I thought that's it... what we were up here to do today is to hit those questions that people had. Oh. Um. <laughs> no, now you want you to save those for next week. Well, we could do them. Um, uh, we could stop this podcast and do a second. <laughs> I just like shorter podcasts. I'm weird that way. Oh, oh, okay. You didn't Whereas know I, feel I was like I wanna, it this way. I want to get them all done. <laughs> wanna, now, no, there were there are so we, many questions that I was actually categorizing them and thinking, okay, these could go in talking about seeds. These could go in talking about an overall design. Right, these right. could go. So, yeah. okay, well, we, yeah, I yeah. do know that we have fodder for probably two hundred more podcasts. Yeah, and um. It's just a matter of taking the time to do it. Yeah. I keep scheduling stuff like uh, we've got that stuff on sharpening and I wanted to do it with Ernie. Yeah. And then Ernie went away and he hasn't yeah. been back. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we found a neighbor guy who has like 25 years of butchering experience. And it's like, okay, let's talk to him about it. And he's like, I'm going to get back to you. And he never does. And then... uh We've got, um, I don't know, we've got lists and lists and lists of stuff. So then we get, we ask, okay, what are some questions to ask in the podcast? <laughs> and then people, people are, uh, uh, saying, you should interview this person. And it's kind of like, I don't think we can out here. So, um, I think, you know, the questions, you know, something that we can do while we're out here on this talk. Well, a, a lot of the questions were, you know, you're on your property. Uh, what do you see? What are your plans? What are your designs? And we kind of covered a lot of that in this podcast and in the one where I fell. So we're almost to the spot where everybody agrees that we should build a pond. I know. Yeah. 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 Which is part of the plan, sort of, and you know. Okay. So <clears throat> now I want to talk more about plans and why, whether you like to put things on paper or not. And, <laughs> What you think I, about that? I think I've mentioned in past podcasts that I'm an odd duck in the world of permaculturalists um, and that rather than making maps, um, and, and I'm okay with making some maps, but I don't go as map crazy as most others. And I shouldn't use the phrase map crazy because it's a way. The way that they do it is a way. I prefer to make lists of the things that I want to see or have or projects and then I prioritize those lists. And um, with each piece, then I design that piece in at the time. Um, I believe that this is smarter. This comes from my background as a software engineer. Um, if you try to design the whole thing up front, 
then you spend half of your life designing, and then in the very first week of implementation, you realize the design is wrong, but it's like, yeah, well, the design phase is over. So you end up with something that nobody wants. And in the meantime, things have changed, and you've learned new things, and it's like, it just doesn't work out. So I've... And this is something we covered in the uh, in the Earthworks workshop, which will be in the DVDs, I think, in that we talked about maps. Everybody drew a map, and we <laughs> we ignored all the maps, including mine. <laughs> and, and instead, we went up and we just started looking at what are what are the biggest problems. What's the number one thing we got to work on? And then after that's done, now what do we want to do? And by the time we got to that point, then yeah, the owner of the site changed everything now i want to be totally different from what it was and it's like that's perfectly fine yeah so that's how i do my design so i don't i i don't exactly have a hard design about where i'm going to put all the hugelkultur beds and things like that what i do have a hard design on is we need to have more roofs we need to have more roof more wafati more more habitat for permaculturalists to be here. And really, I really want to see each permaculturalist showing off their design, their vision in seed and soil, because I think that that feeds other ideas. I mean, I kind of have this feeling like I want to have my play space, and then I want to have uh, everybody else have a play space, and I want to steal their good ideas and... Maybe I'll give them credit. Maybe I'll pretend it was my own idea. <laughs> so taking pictures again, you just want to break that other arm. You got one left. Hey, it's not from taking pictures. I deny. So I want to see the artistry in seed and soil. Yeah. And, and I kind of feel like I want to make the habitat for those people to live in. And maybe some of those people are going to come and help us build that habitat and um maybe they're not you know and i'm not sure what deal will work but um i can't help but think because like i moved on to land um just before i met you yeah and um i was promised that i had four acres of play space so i paid a bunch of money every month in order to be able to live there and prepare my play space and of course once i was moved in and um then they changed their story. We well, never said that. Well, that reminds me, one of the requests, questions was, okay, uh, how do rows work in permaculture? Can rows ever oh. work in permaculture? And it, and, and I also think it would be important to talk to, you know, we have somebody here right now who loves to garden and he loves to compost. <laughs> and people who have listened to your podcast to know that you're not a fan of composting and there's certain things that he wants to be doing and we keep kind of trying right. to nudge. one at a time yes yes one at a time yes, rose okay. so i do think that there's a time and a place for rose one good thing is is it's like you're going to try and germinate um, black locust seeds in eight different ways so i think it's it's a perfectly great idea to plant a row of black locust trees with a stake on the end of it that says, you know, either a number or some kind of message about how it was germinated or something about that row. Then you'll be able to see what a black locust tree looks like 
as it's first coming out of the soil. Yeah. Plus, you'll be able to get an idea of what the germination rate was. Yeah. And so which technique worked best. Yes. So, um... There's that kind of thing. Experiments. Rows are great to be able to, to, to scream out loud and clear. These were planted intentionally. Right. So there's, there's that. But you still plant them far enough away that, you know, a polyculture will develop. Um, now, another kind of row is going to be like Hugel culture, but I kind of feel like Hugel culture is going to still end up being something where, um, it's going to be wonky, not in rows. So, uh, but that's row-ish. I've actually seen uh, hugel culture done very much in rows where they did all the same variety of something water-loving at the bottom, like oh, okay. melons. And then they did another row at <laughs> the next tier up of all, like, lettuce. And then the next tear up was all a big row all along of tomatoes. They didn't mix it up at all. It was it was interesting. It was I've, like a Christmas tree, you know, with I've a seen garland. People, I've seen people posting proud pictures of their culture beds in straight rows. Mm-hmm. Now what you're talking about is different and is good. I like that. But in I don't I think straight rows for culture beds is a bad idea. I mean I think having any culture bed at all is better than not. Yeah. But at the same time, making them curvy and wonky is is vastly superior. What I was describing is like right. all watermelons, all along, like 10 watermelon plants. All along the bottom edge. 20 of the same variety of lettuce right next to that, all in rows. You know? And that's not that's not great. Yeah, okay. okay. You know, I was just and, making sure you knew what I was saying. I still want to kind of, you know, also say that there are going to be people that are going to grow things in rows, and they're going to call it permaculture. And... And frankly, um, I think that they, they can do that. And I can, and, and I'm going to say that I'm going to not do that. Right. And I hope that in all of my podcasts, I, I've qualified it that way to be able to say that I wouldn't do it that way. And I don't think that that's a good example of permaculture. But we've also had um, podcasts with like, all right, they need to finish the berm around it. But I know. So, well, I don't know about that. I, you know, earthworks are good and they have their place. Well, what I'd like to get back to the point I was driving at, and the reason why I started bringing up more than one topic at once is, you were on that air as a renter on that land where you thought you could do hugel culture, you thought you could have pigs. And they kept saying, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. They said, yes, I could. Yes, I could. Yes, I could. And then I moved in and got settled. Right. And then they said, oh, we never said that. Right. And then I want to make it so that here's a place where that me from six years ago could have a place to come and do his thing. But what, what my question is, is if there's somebody here that wants to compost and wants to do things in rows and wants to do things maybe a little more, you know, less permaculture wild, you know, would that be something where you'd say, no, you can't do that? Would it be the reverse kind of, no, you can't do that? First of all, I mean, like currently I'm composting in in an effort to try and get hot water. True. You know, that's true. Good point. And, and I just explained um, a scenario where I would, I would do rows. 
So it's, I think, I think it's one of those things where there's, there's many schools of thought. And I think that the things that I would say no to would be herbicides. And there are permaculture people who advocate the use of herbicides. And I just cannot wrap my head around that. And I just kind of feel like, you know, and I've, of course I've seen it online. And my thought is, is I wonder if that's like a troll from Monsanto saying that, you know, like they're getting paid to say, oh no, permaculture includes the use of herbicides. And some of the people that I'm a big fan of their work, they continue to use herbicides and it makes me angry. And I want to throw out some names, but, um, I, I, you know, that's, you know, it's like calling them a, a child molester in a permaculture podcast. <laughs> so uh, I'm angry at them, but I'm not so angry at them to destroy their lives, even though they do use herbicides. So, um, I would have to say that, uh, if I saw a row garden that was rototilled with a gasoline rototiller, or even if it was double dug, I, I would, I would really feel like that person isn't, and you know what? I would have a problem with that. I would, I would, you know, they're on my land and they're doing that. And I think, I think that. You know, I I want people to come here that are going to do things and I'm going to witness what they do and I'm going to say, wow, that is so cool. I want to steal that idea and call it my own. Whereas Row Garden, really, seriously, that's not a growth experience for me. That's that's painful. <laughs> that's like, oh, no, yeah. And it's like, uh, so then that's, that's part of the reason why I, for all the deep roots people, I, I require that they listen to 90% of the podcasts. And I would think that shallow roots people that are coming out here and they're just renting, like they're, they're renting a, um, two acres for a year that I would think that those people would also have listened to the podcast or at least be able to, you know, demonstrate to some level that, they're going to not buy things in rows, you know, something. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, the idea is that you're going to bring together like 20 people, 20 different artisans. And because of that, it's going to be a growth experience for everybody. But if 19 of them are doing row gardens that are all exactly the same, then uh, what's the point? I, I feel like that's a, a waste of, of land, a waste of, and, and now I've got to go and what? Convince them? So no, I'm, I'm very selfish. I want things to be my way. But at the same time, I feel like everybody who's come here wouldn't plant things in rows. Right. You know, each of the people that are getting started and stuff aren't going to plant things in rows. They're not going to plant things with a rototiller. They're going to, they're going to do hugel culture. They're going to make things wonky and interesting and grand. So, um, and they're going to discover things accidentally and they're going to try things that are stupid and they're going to try things that seem stupid at the beginning, but turn out to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're going to try. We, <laughs> that was one of our breakfast philosophical discussions. <laughs> what, what is it? We were, we were pitting, uh, pitting Yoda oh, right. against somebody. I can't remember who. So, uh, maybe it was. 
Yoda versus Star Trek or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember now. Yeah. So um, Yoda says there is no try, only do, or something like do or do not. There is no try. But uh, I think that uh, we're all about the try. And we embrace the whole idea of you're going to have to have a dozen failures before you have a success. Right. That's just the way it rolls. Right. So. Well, it, yeah. And, and things are just still so new here. I It just boggles my mind how many of the questions are as if, oh, yeah, we're totally set up. Everything's operating, you know? <laughs> Bink! Instant farm! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I find that kind of surprising. Well, Seth put his stuff in in 11 days. He put in a right. kilometer of culture in 11 days and built that. Well, he got that lake almost done before he left. True. Well, and a lot of people, the first thing they do is plant a garden. And we we just had some obstacles to that. Um, so You know, with that whole thing with Seth planting that thing in 11 days, I seem to recall hearing a rumor that uh, because there was a lot of equipment that was brought in all at once Uh and that the final bill was a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars which i i think would have been twenty thousand dollars if they were more patient if they were to build it over like two months instead of 11 days right so okay yeah (laughs) i i think yeah well that would make sense to me yeah so but, you know, that's expensive. So it's, and it's like, and we're trying to do everything on a shoestring. Right. I mean, you have bought a lot of equipment, but for example, your track hoe is a used older track hoe and it's, there's been times it's needed repairs and we weren't able to use it. So that's what happens when you have older equipment. Like the dump truck, the Millennium Falcon dump truck. <laughs> you know, it needs some repairs. We gotta, I can never remember that quote. So, uh, something about it'll do 12 parsecs in the Keeble sector or something like that. Uh-huh. In the Kissel run, I think it is. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, it doesn't look like much, but. <laughs> right. You know, we right. gotta, we gotta write that on the side or something like that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that, uh, once we start uh, hitting critical mass, I like the idea of being able uh, to have a resident artist for a summer, somebody who's a sculptor. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we hit on a lot of answers to questions, and I apologize for not calling out specific names and specific questions from the thread. But I, I just think there are so many people, you know, kind of wondering. You walk what, here. I want to walk in the middle. Okay. That I was way, trying to walk in the middle for a that while. That way I'm less likely to break an ankle. Yeah, don't do that. I'm walking on that weird stuff there. Yeah. So right now we're walking on the beach. Oh, we named the roads. That's right. This is no longer beach road, even though you just called it walking on the beach. Well, this is where the beach is. This is where all that beach sand is. That's right. Under all the snow. Yes. But this is now Pearl Road. And so, this is after Tim and I's grandmother, and who's Pes- awesome. Pascal Road goes right by where we would like to put a pond. Where the next Wafati's going in. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then this road up here is McDaniel Road, yep. named after my grandfather. Yep. So, all right, should we wrap it up? I think so. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the 
forums, and I mean it, come to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about trudging through the snow, <laughs> homesteading, and, and permaculture, permaculture all, all the, the time. time.